What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this video I'll be answering 10 valuable subscriber questions which cover a bunch of fascinating investing and finance topics. If you would like me to potentially answer a question of yours in a future Millionaire Dividend Investing Questions and Answers video, then follow me on Instagram at GenX Dividend Investor and DM me your questions. If you do send me a question, then please tell me if you don't want your full name shared. Finally, please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Okay, the first question of 10 came from someone on my Discord, and that's why didn't Pfizer do a bigger dividend hike than the 2.6% one that they announced? It was asked because the fun game we play on my dividend Discord is to make guesses as to how much a company will raise its dividend, and I thought 10% made sense for Pfizer, but I was clearly wrong, so we all started chatting about it. I've concluded that there are probably two reasons why it came in low. Number one is because even though their profits could handle a bigger raise, there is a lot of scrutiny on pharma companies these days and a big dividend increase might have drawn too much political attention to make it worthwhile. It probably wouldn't look so good if they were seen profiting off the pandemic, even though they arguably deserve some sort of reward. Another logical reason as to why they did such a small dividend hike is because they didn't end up cutting their dividend like they originally planned they would do if they spun off Theatrus. Regardless, it was an excellent year to be a Pfizer shareholder with the stock getting to an all-time high with free shares of Viatrist and even a small dividend hike to boot. Okay, let's move on. The second of 10 questions comes from Travis Shooks who said, Gen X, have you looked into GLW, an industrial company that makes glass products for electronics? Good div grower in an industry that will grow significantly. Hey Travis, so Corning makes displays for laptops and smartphones like the iPhone. They make the famous Gorilla Glass as well as automotive filters and other things. I feel they're reasonably priced right now, but not cheap enough to get excited. They have a dividend yield of 2.5%, a 5-year dividend CAGR of 12%, a payout ratio of 46%, and 11 consecutive years of dividend increases. So all that sounds good. Their revenue trend looks good, but their net income trend doesn't look too hot. Their assets to liabilities look good, their shares outstanding trend looks good, but their debt trends don't look too compelling. I wonder if they're using debt to drive down their shares outstanding. Anyways, I'd really like to see a better trend on their bottom line. They sell a bunch of useful products that are in growing markets and at first glance they seem to have a good moat, but the stock itself has underperformed the SP500 for a long time. It would be interesting to dig deeper into the management team and their business strategies to see if I had reason to think that they're on a stronger path now. Okay, let's move on. The next question came after a video I did where I told a true story about a secretary who amassed a massive portfolio but lived very frugally. She died and left millions to charity but never spent the money herself. Some people felt she was stupid to work and invest her whole life while living like a pauper. They said their goal was to die with zero dollars to their name. So the question was, why do I think it makes sense to live frugally if you have a big portfolio? Like, you can take your money with you, so why not enjoy it more while you can, right? First, that seems to imply that happiness comes from spending money. While it's true for some people, it's not true for everybody. Some people enjoy living frugally, and it brings them happiness if they can help out a good charity when they die. So for those sorts of people, it's not stupid to die with a large portfolio. It's what brings them joy. And I can relate to that because I personally get great satisfaction knowing that my dividends will live beyond me, providing for my family. Like, I don't need to spend every dime to feel happy, and instead I get a lot of happiness specifically by not spending it all. 
But you also need to understand that my experiences have shown me that too many people out there are one bad break away from being screwed financially. And I would rather play things conservatively to be able to cover my bases if things go south. That bad break might be losing a job or some unforeseen medical issue or who knows what. Some 40% of Americans would struggle to come up with $400 for an unexpected expense. I've personally seen multiple people who were forced to retire earlier than they wanted. I have a relative in their 50s who makes a huge salary but has almost nothing in savings or in investments. Thus I've concluded that it's smarter to live under your budget and to live frugally, so that when a bad break hits you, and odds are it will, then you're still going to be okay. Having more, but living with less, means less stress. You can truly sleep well at night if you know that you're covered, that you have some financial escape cords you can pull if needed. What I want for younger folks to internalize is that spending and acquiring things doesn't bring permanent happiness. Learn to love what you have and don't focus on what you don't have. Don't make the classic mistake of spending more as you earn more. Don't get a bigger loan so you can get that bigger house or boat or whatever. Bigger loans usually means bigger stress. Yeah, it's a dopamine boost to get that sports car or that big house, but it's not lasting enjoyment and instead you'll get to deal with higher bills. So I'd rather die with a ton of assets than to die with zero, as my stress level would be through the roof if I cut things that close. Okay, let's move on. My fourth of ten questions comes from Happy Smileys. He asked, how were you able to increase the growth in your IRA account despite the $6,000 to $7,000 annual cap? Hey Happy, that's a good question that a lot of people ask me. There are two ways I've been able to create an IRA with over a million dollars in it. Number one is because I've had it for decades, which means compounding has had a long time to work its magic. And number two is because when I left a job, I'd roll my work 401k into my personal IRA, 401ks which had employee matching and had higher contribution limits, though I rarely hit the limit. So your takeaway should be to keep investing and don't quit, even after things crash, then you'll do well. Okay, let's continue. My fifth of 10 questions comes from Christopher Michael who said, Great channel, I've learned so much about investing from you. Here's my question. If you could only buy five dividend stocks for the long term, which would they be? Thanks, Christopher. So the tough thing about that question is it depends on so many factors. Like, do you want me to take into account how pricey stocks are? Or do I need cash flow now from the stocks? Or is this list of five the only stocks I can own, or etc. But generally speaking, my favorites include Apple and Microsoft, because those stocks are ones that I feel can grow and return dividends for generations, recognizing that very few tech companies can remain relevant for decades. McDonald's is another company that I think has the staying power to remain relevant for generations, which also means that I believe that they'll continue to be able to pay me some of their profits as dividends for generations. However, McDonald's has saturated the market with their restaurants in every country, so I don't see them having the same easy growth path as they've historically had. J&J is another favorite of mine, though it's annoying that they're breaking apart. I'd add Realty Income as my fifth pick, just because I like the real estate exposure, or I could also pick Procter & Gamble or maybe J.P. Morgan Chase. All great companies. Okay, let's move on. My sixth of ten questions comes from Nepali Investor who said, Hey Gen X, I feel exhausted at times of working. Sometimes I feel like I have enough money to live without having to work, so why am I working? But after a few days I get to my normal zone and feel energetic again. I work a full-time job running a small game studio and help two teams with technical advice for equity. My question is did you ever have similar thoughts? If yes, how did you overcome it and when and why did you decide to retire? Hey Nepali, 
So yes, I've had times in my life when I've gotten burnt out by working. It's normal to feel that way. Most everyone has periods of ups and downs, whether it's work or hobbies or relationships. In terms of how I've overcome that, well, for one, it's because I know that feeling burnt out is usually a short-term thing. If I push through it, then I'll probably feel differently soon. The money I got from working acted as motivation, which helped push me through the hard times. More money meant more investing. If I know that working is something that I need to do, then I'll do it. I've always been the type of person that will do things that are good for me in the long term and not give in to how I feel in the short term. Like working out. Of course there are times I'd rather just chill on the couch and watch Netflix or whatever, but I'll usually push through that short-term mental resistance and hit the gym because I know that it's better for me. Eating right's the same thing. Sometimes I'd rather be gluttonous and eat a couple more pieces of pizza, but I know it's not good for me to do that and so I won't give in to my short-term impulses. I've always gotten the most value in life from playing the long game. It's hard, but you can do it. Now, if you've put yourself in a situation where you can walk away from work and your financial bases are covered, then maybe you should analyze the pros and cons and then walk away. Maybe you should just take a vacation and see how you feel after that. Or maybe it makes sense for you to have another job. Now, in terms of why I retired, well, it's because I value my time very much and was able to put myself into a situation where I could retire early. I've worked in some toxic jobs over my life and I've never had a job where I valued it more than my free time. Part of the reason why I'm so passionate about others going down the dividend path is because it's been such a life-changing thing for me. Heck, just learning about what dividends are can bring someone hope that they might not otherwise have. Knowing that you can create your own pension of passive income is very good for your mental health. Realizing that you can transition from being just a consumer to being a business owner is amazing. Understanding that thousands of employees around the world are working hard, day in and day out, and that you get a cut of that business's profits, well that's mind-blowing to me. As you build up your farm of cash-flowing dividend stocks, it opens your future to be able to more easily leave a tough job, and bottom line, it helps your retirement. My desire to see my dividends grow helped push me through the tough times of lethargy at work. Okay, let's continue. My seventh of ten questions comes from BJJFreak82, who said, Leggett and Platt seems to be correcting a bit. What price would it have to drop for you to buy more? Hey, dude. I calculate that leg is cheap right now, so I think it's fine to invest more at these prices. It has its risks to be aware of, of course. That being said, I'm happy with the amount I own and I'm currently putting my spare cash into other investments. Okay, let's move on. The eighth question comes from Walnut Investing who said, Gen X, if you were starting over in your early 20s, would you go long on Aflac right now? Hey Walnut, that's an interesting question. I think Affleck is at a good price and they're a solid company, so generally speaking I'd be fine to invest. If I was building a diverse portfolio of dividend stocks, Affleck would definitely be one I'd consider. But would I invest in it if I was in my early 20s? Maybe. Even though I don't believe Affleck will have great stock appreciation, which is what I'd focus on in my early 20s, their passive cash flow generation combined with their cheap price might be compelling enough for me to have it as part of an investing portfolio in my 20s. What I mean is that investing in quality dividend stocks, even when young, immediately starts creating passive income for you which you can optionally use to start paying your expenses if you want or need and those dividends will start lessening the impact if you lose your job and they set you on a path where you eventually won't even need a job. So while I'd prioritize things like Microsoft and Apple over something like an Aflac, it could still be part of my overall strategy. Generally speaking, the younger you are the more I'd recommend you prioritize growth, dividends or not. As you become more financially savvy, you'll be able to more easily identify trade-offs and the pros and cons and risks in your investments. And then you'll be able to craft portfolios that both set you up for the future and act as a safety net in the present. Okay, let's move on. 
My ninth of 10 question comes from Greg who said, what do you think about BLK? Hey Greg, well, let me take a look at it using my spreadsheet tool. BlackRock is a financial asset management company with trillions under management and is even bigger than Vanguard. Right now, analysts have BlackRock as a buy and they have 12 consecutive years of dividend increases, a 43% payout ratio, a 1.95% dividend yield along with a 13% CAGR, which is great. Let's look at some of their financial metric trends. So, stock price has been performing nicely. And we see a nice trend line on the dividend payouts, continually increasing nice and smoothly. Dividend yield looks pretty flat, so staying about equally compelling over time. We see their quarterly EPS trends look nice. And then annual shares outstanding. They're increasing for a little bit, but then they started bringing it down. So that's good since 2010. Asset versus liabilities looks fine. And quarterly revenue trend looks nice. And quarterly net income looks good. Price to free cash flow, mediocre. And their debt looks reasonable. So right now I feel that BlackRock is reasonably priced, though they aren't cheap. Their CEO, Larry Fink, is one of those people that you either love or hate. They've been an incredible performing stock over the long haul, and many people hold them as an anchor in their portfolios. That all being said, the market's at a tough spot right now, so it'll be challenging for them to repeat what they've done in the last five years, though they are a company that has a chance to beat the S&P 500. Hopefully that answered your question, Greg, so let's move on. My last question comes from Jairus Marcus along with Marcus G. They asked what I think about LTC Properties, ticker LTC. Jairus mentioned that he liked their business model and that their growth and dividends seem safe. So LTC Properties is a REIT that focuses on senior housing. They hold 190 properties across 27 states. One thing that turns me off to them is that it looks like they haven't increased their dividends since 2016. It also has had a terrible return over the last five years, returning almost 0% as compared to the S&P 500 returning 17% a year. And not only are they massively underperforming the market, they're also on or near the bottom of the list compared to their peers as well. So you can see how poorly they're performing relative to many others. When I dug into their recent management presentation, I saw some other red flags. Many of their tenants have failed to pay rent or are paying only a subset of rent due to the pandemic so they only collected 84% of the rent. The good news for them is that the U.S. population is aging and becoming a larger segment of the population, which means more healthcare facilities like LTC should be in demand. But they've underperformed for a long time, their financials don't look great, they've been nailed by the pandemic, and overall it wouldn't be something I would find as safe or compelling. Their FFO should do better as tenant issues are addressed, though. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see their dividend cut if things don't improve. They fortunately have a bunch of government subsidies a la Medicare and Medicaid helping their FFO or it would have been really ugly. So this could be a bottom for them, but regardless I'd rather find companies that I'm more confident in. It doesn't mean they're a bad company for you, it just means that they aren't one I'm interested in. Okay, I hope you guys can use some of those insights as you evolve your portfolios. Speaking of portfolios, M1 Brokerage has a promotion running for a free $50 cash bonus for new users. The way it works is you click on my M1 referral link in the description of this video and then either open a brokerage account and fund it with $100 or open a retirement account and fund it with 
Then you need to keep your money inside the new account for 30 days from the date of deposit to get the free referral cash. Make sure to check the details before you sign up to see what they're offering when you watch this video. Okay, now I'd like to shout out my new Patreon aristocrats who have signed up since my last video. So thank you IJH for signing back up. And thank you Ferrati for signing up. Aristocrats gain access to my dividend spreadsheet product that I've used in this video, and they gain access to multiple private channels on my free dividend discord chat server, where I let my upper tier patrons watch my videos before I release them to the public, as well as let them vote on which thumbnails I use for my videos, and of course they get more direct access to me. If you made it to this far in the video then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Also, if you'd like me to potentially answer a question of yours in a future Millionaire Dividend Investing Questions and Answers video, then follow me on Instagram at GenXDividendInvestor and DM your questions. Finally, I highly recommend that you join my free Dividend Discord chat server, which has thousands of dividend investors on it and is growing all the time. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.